When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Has New Japan Pro Wrestling alienated its U.S. fans? On this episode, we dissect the American shows that are light on Japanese talent, but heavy on fan outrage. We also preview other New Japan shows leading up to the new beginning in Osaka. The Royal Rumble is set for this weekend, and while it is one of the most popular pay-per-views of the year, it seems many of the matchups for WrestleMania are foregone conclusions. So could there be any surprises? We will talk about the show and get the betting odds from Rafael Esparza from MyBookie.ag. Also, there's good and bad news for Ring of Honor, but fans will flip out for the good. And lights, camera, ankle locks? We and our listeners will recast and rewrite movies using your favorite wrestling stars. All of that is next. WrestlingInc.com brings you two-faced wrestling talk. The podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Paul. And the day I'm not here, you'll have a story. Jeez, gosh, that's morbid. <laughs> I don't know what even, even that mean means. I not that. I could just be out of town. I didn't mean I was going to be dead. <laughs> I don't know. Jeez. Oh, God. Boy. But anyway. Boy. That's a pretty telling uh, insight into Kelsey's mindset, <laughs> what she's hoping for. You're right. <laughs> Well, anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to us and listening to us. Um, we've got lots to talk about this week, despite it actually being quite a light week in terms of wrestling. You know, there wasn't too much going on, but we've got lots to look ahead to. And although we'll be talking a lot about WWE, including the Royal Rumble and NXT TakeOver, which are the two big, big shows this weekend, we'll also be talking about other wrestling, because that's what we like to do, touching a little bit on everything. So we'll be previewing some New Japan shows that I think everyone should keep their eye on. We'll be talking about some good news, but also bad news for Ring of Honor. And we'll be randomly spotlighting some recent POC matches, or actually, you said there's actually, some people say it, PAC. You so, say potato, I say potato. Yeah. You say tomato, I say tomato. (laughs) So, you know, whatever you want to say, pock, pack, I'm sure we're wrong, no matter what. Well, they said it both ways in the same show we were watching, so. But we'll be highlighting some of his recent matches and looking ahead to him being with AEW, et cetera, et cetera. We got a jam-packed show. We're very excited. But first, we've got some really big announcements. Yep, thanks to our good friends here at St. Arnold Brewing. Uh, You know, they've been our sponsor for almost a year. And we're proud to announce, in fact, we just got off the phone with Lenny, the marketing director at St. Arnold, and we're proud to announce that we're going to do a special live podcast from the Beer Garden at St. Arnold Brewing in Houston, Texas, on Sunday, February 17th, approximately 3 o'clock. Why that day? Well, the Elimination Chamber is at Toyota Center in Houston, and so we're going to do a whole live podcast to get you ready for that great historic pay-per-view because the women's tag 
titles will be on the on the line there in the Elimination Chamber. We're going to do an hour show where we'll take your questions on YouTube. It'll be also, live. But, yep, but also in person. Yep, so please come and join us at the beer garden there. It'll be so much fun. You can have some awesome beer, one. (laughs) And two, more importantly, you can talk wrestling with us. Or you could just listen to us talk about wrestling if you don't want to participate. But again, we'll be taking questions live there on site. And don't forget, we'll also be taking questions on whatever medium we go live on. We're thinking it's Wink's YouTube channel, but it could be their Facebook and Twitter. Keep up to date with Wrestling Inc. for more updates. And, you know, with our Twitter for more updates as well. You can find us on Twitter at TwoFacedPod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D, and you can find me on Twitter at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T, and follow me there for the latest polls that I put out, which we'll read a lot of the answers on on the show. Speaking of polls, uh, and, uh, well, let's just say I was right. If our good friend Rafael Esparza would put prop bets on this, on whether Kelsey would have remembered to put out her poll on on Super Kicking It about which shirt to wear when I said she would forget it, I would have won. Yep. Last <laughs> week, I said that I promised I would put that poll out on which wrestling shirt I would wear because I was giving you guys the power. And that's what I usually do, but I've been but forgetting. She, she decided she didn't want you guys to have the power. Well, I chose my <laughs> own shirt, but it wasn't because I didn't want you guys to have the power. It's just because I totally ran out of time. But I am wearing a Speedball Mike Bailey shirt. If you don't know who he is, that's okay. He's not as well-known as somebody like Osprey or Ricochet, but he is a great high flyer, and we'll talk a lot about him later in the show. And maybe I'll give you a little introduction to him if you're unfamiliar. Really excited to talk about him later on. I mentioned Rafael Esparza. Don't forget to uh, check out mybookie.ag. Good friend to the show. Use the promo code KICKIT and get yourself all set for the Super Bowl. All sorts of fun prop bets, as you can imagine. Rafael's already started to crank some of those out. We'll talk a little bit about that when he joins us in just a bit. Speaking of the Super Bowl and football in general, man, there was a lot of controversy this week. We were actually at the NFC Championship game live at the Superdome in New Orleans here. And uh, it's because you and I work in television. We work for Cox Sports Television. You shoot on the field. I work in the studio usually, but this time I was, you know, in the production truck on site. So we got to see that controversial call live right there. Lots of people think that the Saints should be going to the Super Bowl. Instead, it's the Rams. But the funny part is, and how it connects to wrestling is, there's tons of gifts going around about that whole call using, like, Saints and Rams, but with wrestling gifts, like wrestling video underneath Yeah, like it. old WWE and WWF uh, matches. There's one, I think, where Kurt Angle. He's basically doing the angle slam to two people and they put a saint's helmet on one of them and a ram's helmet on the other so he basically drags the ram's helmet wrestler over the saint's helmet one so that the rams unfairly win (laughs) (laughs) so kind of paints the story of what happened over the weekend but i love how they kind of mix wrestling in with sports somehow there's some crossover even though a lot of people look down on it but somehow it's kind of in popular culture and has crossed over into sports culture too. Yep. Even in the Superdome on Sunday, uh, I know they played Stone Colds. I know they played Nakamura's. I think they played John Cena or maybe Triple H, somebody. But uh, yeah, it's a common occurrence to hear wrestling theme songs. I've heard Becky Lynch's at stadiums before. Uh, like I said, John Cena, I've heard. You know, it's not just football. You can't watch a hockey game without hearing a wrestling theme song in there. It's kind of cool. Like I said, 
people think in the sports world that wrestling is something to laugh about, but obviously it's kind of sunk in that it's a thing that all sports people kind of at least recognize. Unfortunately, no uh, New Japan uh, theme songs in there just yet. Yeah, like my boy Suzuki. I want to hear that Yeah, over a big speaker at like a Bruins game. Man, that'd be cool. Well, that's what we call a transition. I brought up New Japan because that's where <laughs> we're going to start. It's time to uh, give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for headlines. So we're going to start with New Japan, even though they've uh, had some smaller shows that uh, we haven't really had a chance to watch. There's uh, bigger things on the horizon. Yeah, I'm really looking ahead to the road to the New Beginning show. And then the actual new beginning in Osaka, that's going to be really, really a great show. And I think if you're not an avid New Japan viewer, you don't know which shows to check out and which not to sometimes. So I'm going to kind of go through the list of dates and shows that I think you guys should pay attention to because there's some great specific matchups sprinkled throughout multiple days leading up to the new beginning in Osaka. I don't want anyone to miss any kind of key matchups that that I think are worth checking into. So starting with January 29th, we've got Kushida taking on Tanahashi in a singles match. And of course, this is Kushida's final match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Everyone's saying he's going to WWE. And so this, I think, is going to be an important match to tune in for. Kushida was basically a cornerstone of the junior division for the longest time. And They're giving him great respect on his way out by allowing him a singles match with basically the ace of the whole company. You know, he is called the ace. He's nicknamed that, but he is literally the most popular wrestler there. So this is a big singles match for Kushida and our dream he's wanted. Yeah, no, it's awesome because he's going to get a chance to go out against one of the legends in modern New Japan wrestling. And so uh, certainly going to be worth seeing and seeing the reception for Kushida, I'll be interested to see what goes on post-match almost as much as the match itself. Yeah, I wonder if he's going to tear up. and Or if the other wrestlers will come out and salute him. You know, who knows? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, so <clears throat> be sure to tune in on January 29th for that. Then a little bit later, about a few days later, February 2nd, we've got Sonata versus Suzuki, which, of course, you know I'm excited for. That's going to be a great singles match. Kind of like... Not not that they're making right by what they did to him during Wrestle Kingdom, because as we all know, Suzuki did not get a singles match. He wasn't even on the main card. No, he was in the pre-show, and he, he called it one of the greatest embarrassments of his career. And it's fine if he would have been in a tag match, because him and Zack Sabre Jr. are an amazing tag team together. But that he wasn't even on the main card, I think, was kind of a big blow after the year he's had in New Japan. In 2018, it was a great year. So this is kind of awesome to see him going against one of the younger but bigger stars for New Japan, who I think is only going to continue to rise higher in the company, Sonata. And I think they're going to pair off really, really well. And if you hadn't been paying attention to New Year's Dash, they kind of teased that matchup then. And that's what we're seeing develop now. Well, and also on that show, Evil versus Zack Sabre Jr. This is something they kind of were building to. Then the Jericho intervention kind of came in there. So that storyline kind of got put on hold. It will be interesting to see that get picked back up. Then we've got a good tag match that same night, Okada and Tanahashi versus Bad Luck Fale and Jay White. 
So that's going to be leading up to, obviously, the eventual singles matches between Tanahashi and Jay White. I think Okada is also facing Fale in a later show as well. Then we've got an LIJ tag match versus Suzuki Gun faction tag match for the junior tag titles on the 3rd. And continuing on that same night, we've got a heavyweight tag title match, but Zack Sabre Jr. and Suzuki versus Sonata and Evil. So again, we had those singles matches a few nights before, then we've got the tag match that night. And it's kind of cool because, yes, Zack Sabre Jr. and Suzuki have the Rev Pro tag titles, but they've never held the New Japan heavyweight tag titles, or the juniors. I mean, of course, they're not junior weights, right. but they haven't held any tag titles together in New Japan. So I kind of want to see them dethrone Sonata and Evil. No, I think that's going to be an awesome match. I can't wait for that one. And then, obviously, they set it up back at New Year's Dash, Tai Chi versus Naito in the Intercontinental title match. And we actually, or at least I did, gave Tai Chi actually some props on that show that he he showed a new aggressiveness, which he's going to kind of need against Naito. I think you're going to see more of that aggressiveness in this singles match, and I think they're going to be pushing Tai Chi as a more serious contender going forward from here on out. I mean, it started slightly when he moved up into the heavyweight division, but it's just going to continue going on and on and on, and I think this match against Naito, although he already had a match against Naito, that was his first heavyweight match, but I think this one will be even more serious, even more brutal. You kind of saw it in New Year's Dash, like you alluded to. We're going to see a different side of Tai Chi. I hate giving him props, but I guess I have to. If you just guys... slight props. Yes, just slight props. <laughs> Not too much. I don't want to give him too much praise. It's unlike me. Frickin' Tai Chi. <laughs> That's more like me. But if you want to know more about the history between Naito and Tai Chi and more of the backstory leading into their singles match coming up on the 3rd, check out New Japan's English YouTube channel for the series that they've been putting out recently called The Wire. And what that has been so good at doing is kind of recapping different feuds and even recapping whole arcs of many storylines going into a big show. So they even had one they released about a few weeks ago previewing the new beginning in general, many matches leading into the new beginning, which we're still seeing this build up now. Those are the three shows I think you should look at before the actual bigger show on the 11th of February, which is the new beginning in Osaka. We're going to have that big match, like I said, the main event, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match between Tanahashi and Jay White, that should be incredible. Just Jay White's kind of raw way of talking about Tanahashi, saying, like, you're an old man, you can't even get through the ropes, which he really couldn't. <laughs> and that's kind of cool. I can't wait to see them bring that aggression into the ring, especially Jay White. He's so good as a heel, like I've been saying for a few weeks now. We also have some other matches lower on the card that should be just as exciting. We've got the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. That's Ishimori's first title defense, and he's defending against Taguchi, who a lot of people make fun of. But when Taguchi is serious and wrestling without all his little gimmicks and funny little <laughs> kind of things he does. It's funny little gimmicks. That's all yeah, yeah. Basically, he has a whole bunch of different <laughs> funny gimmicks. But when he's being serious, he's actually an amazing wrestler. So I know a lot of people are going to scoff at this, but keep your eye on this match. It's going to surprise you, and it's going to be great. I have a feeling. I know Taguchi will take it seriously, and he'll deliver. And Ishimori, of course, is going to have to deliver in his first title defense. He's going to be like a cornerstone of the division for a little while since Kushida's leaving, and they need some people like him to step up. Then, of course, like I kind of teased earlier, we're going to have an Okada versus Bad Luck Fale singles match. Yes, there's nothing on the line, but uh, they've faced before when Okada was champion, and it was great. You would think on paper, oh, that's going to be a boring match, but no. They really did well last time, and I have a feeling they're going to 
do just as well this time, even though there's no championship on the on the line. But still, it'll be great. I have a feeling there might be some outside interference somewhere <laughs> involved. There in definitely that. could be. <laughs> With Jay White and everything, and yeah. Yep. Lots of stuff to look forward to. I can't wait. Like I said, my eyes on that Kushida match. That might be the one I'm looking forward to most. Yep, and we'll be talking about all of that in the weeks to come, of course. But yes, we talked about a lot of positives, and everyone who knows me knows I love New Japan Pro Wrestling, but I think we would really be remiss if we didn't discuss the big buzz happening right now on social media and fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling who live in the U.S., they're a little disgruntled at what's been announced as the cards for the upcoming Road to New Beginning shows in the U.S. The cards are basically, like, full of ROH guys, and everyone's really upset about it because it was pitched as something different. Everyone assumed it'd be kind of like G1 Supercard or maybe the G1 show in Dallas and that it would be a bigger deal. How do you feel about this? Well, I mean, if you look at the card on its own and weren't sold the New Japan aspect, you'd be like, all right, these are great shows, you know. But if you're somebody who bought tickets to see New Japan, you're expecting to see Okada, Suzuki, Ishii, uh, you know, Evil. You know, you're expecting to see some of those guys. I'm not saying all those guys, but there's literally none of those guys. So I get why people are mad. Uh, you know, if if I had bought tickets and wasn't going to see some combination of some of the people I can only see on TV wrestling in another country for one of the few shows that is going to be in the United States, I would expect more. So I get why people are mad. Yeah, I mean, I, there's there's two sides of the coin on this. People who love New Japan kind of saying, well, you know, these were kind of promoted as smaller shows. But I know some really well-known names, like specifically Voices of Wrestling on Twitter. They're well-respected. They're big fans of New Japan. But they've come out and said, you know, this was pitched as something else. And I don't think they ever intended to basically provide mid-top talent or top-tier talent of the card they were never going to come here for these shows although they were sold as these were going to be exciting shows that's why they sold out the buildings so they're even saying it doesn't look good on new japan pro wrestling it doesn't really look good on them they're trying to expand on this market and that leaves a bad impression in my opinion and i love new japan i think it's okay to be critical because all i want in the end is for them to succeed now they've come out and said Officially, now this is the official statement they've they've made. They said that essentially the reason behind this with no Japanese talent on these U.S. shows is because the government shut down. They're essentially blaming that and saying there was a problem with visas, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, and I might take some heat for this, and I'd be glad to admit I'm wrong later, I really can't see that being 100% the reason. I honestly don't think they would have waited so late to apply for visas. I remember seeing these Japan shows booked around the U.S. shows very close together, and the Japan shows had a lot of the talent that I think could have been featured on the U.S. shows. Like Suzuki. Yes, he's a singles match at Road to New Beginning, one of those shows in Japan. He could have easily had that same match in one of the U.S. shows, on one of those cards. You could argue, yeah, but if it's the visas, that's a valid excuse. Yeah, but these shows were scheduled all so close together far before this happened. So I don't know if I believe it 100%. Well, here's why I don't buy the visa things. You're telling me that they couldn't have worked out anybody's visas to to perform in the United States in that time frame? I don't know. I find it hard to believe. I know somebody told you 
if that's the excuse they're using or if it's a legit problem, then what does that mean for G1 Supercard at MSG? I mean, that's not that far away. No, if they have to apply for visas again now, I mean, I don't think it would be approved in time, so then they're in big trouble. So the, the excuse to me, it could be a little bit true for some talents, but I just think on the whole, it doesn't explain this whole situation. And um, I, I don't know how to feel. I feel bad for the people who bought tickets. If they even wanted to sell them, it would be hard to. Again, the show looks great, but it's not a New Japan show, and that's essentially the problem. These people were going to have a New Japan-like experience. And I know G1 Supercard and the Dallas G1 show will be bigger shows than these, were ever intended to be. But that's no consolation to these people who bought these expensive tickets for these shows. And, you know, that's what I have to say about that. But uh, I love New Japan on the whole, and I think it's okay to be critical. So that's just my two cents. Now we're going to shift gears to what's going on this weekend. Uh, the Royal Rumble is this Sunday. Personally, other than WrestleMania, my favorite pay-per-view of the year. Although WWE nearly ruined it on social media a little bit, although it t- turned out to be more more a uh, 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 a lot of hot air on what they were going to do. But they got they probably got what they wanted. People talking about, oh my God, they're going to ruin the Royal Rumble by releasing. We were guilty of it. We thought they were going to ruin the surprise. But in the end, they, they only released people, really, that we knew were going to be For in. the women's yeah. Royal Rumble match, yeah. They had teased that we're going to release names every 30 minutes for the for the uh, Rumble. And people were freaking out. I wasn't really freaking out. Just I thought it was stupid to reveal anybody. Although they've been doing that with the men's match, the men's match, for a while now. But, um... You know, I think it should all be left as a surprise. Don't reveal anybody. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why we... I mean, maybe have like 10 people that you say in the weeks leading up, all right, this person's definitely in, this person's definitely in. But to me, the the beauty of this pay-per-view is the surprise of who's going to come down that ramp. So... I'm still excited for the show. And in fact, just like you, I have to agree. I think Royal Rumble is one of my favorite pay-per-views for WWE of the year. I love WrestleMania, of course. I like Survivor Series as well, but I think Royal Rumble is my second favorite after WrestleMania, like you said. And uh, I think it's going to be a great show. I'm hoping that the Balor-Brock match, as we talked about last week, really lives up to what I think it could be. And it's all on Brock. I know Balor will deliver. Will Brock deliver? Well, that match is one of the matches I got a chance to talk about with our gambling expert, uh, Rafael Esparza from mybookie.ag, and he's got all the props on the Royal Rumble. And let's uh, take you to that interview I had with him a little earlier. All right, so the first big WWE pay-per-view of the year, and really one of my favorite pay-per-views uh, in general, just ro- the Royal Rumble is always so entertaining. And now that we have a women's Royal Rumble for the second year, even more entertaining. Uh, Rafael, let's start with the uh, the Royal Rumbles themselves. Uh, you got Becky Lynch winning the Royal Rumble and uh, I find that interesting because I, I think whatever happens in that women's match the between Asuka and Becky Lynch kind of will determine who wins uh, the Royal Rumble, don't you? Yeah, I mean, Charlotte Flair is a small, she's the favorite, minus $2, Becky Lynch plus 150 And I would not be shocked if, if, if neither of those two win. Maybe Alexa Bliss wins. If you can get her now at 10 to 1 uh, to win a Royal Rumble. I do believe it's going to be uh, Charlotte Flair just because I think they want to promote that Charlotte Flair versus uh, uh, was Ronda Rousey at, at WrestleMania. That's what I'm hearing. It's probably going to be the main event at WrestleMania. So the minus $2 on Charlotte Flair 
which I, I don't understand why uh, they promote. They gave Becky Lynch the belt and gave her a, a shot at the, the mainstream for only like a month or so, and then all of a sudden they just take away uh, all that momentum that she had. Uh, granted, she had a concussion and a broken nose and, and stuff like that. I don't understand, but I'm also hearing that would not be shocked if Becky, when they do the uh, Raw SmackDown trade live, I would not be shocked if Becky Lynch is wearing red and not blue uh, that next time. That wouldn't surprise me, and I, I mean, I, I'm going to throw it out here too. Uh, if if that SmackDown Women's Championship match is the first match of the show, and Oscar wins it, then I could see Becky Lynch winning the Royal Rumble and also, you know, going the Ronda Rousey route since they never got that match that they were promoting back at Survivor Series. So I think that's a possibility as well. Yeah, I, I, whoever wins, if it's either Charlotte or Becky, that's uh, I would not be shocked if that's the headline. Uh, for the for WrestleMania uh, for next year, uh, the, both of them are going toe to toe. You figure Ronda Rousey, because uh, I still think, even though I heard that she does love being at WWE and all that, she still wants to uh, try to uh, have a baby and, and do all that stuff. So, would not be shocked if uh, that's the case that she bows out for a little while. Is there anyone uh, that you're looking at as a uh, high value uh, like dark horse that, like, if you were, uh, if you were. Uh going to give us a surprise pick out of your dark horses even though i think i think it's pretty much going to either be charlotte or becky but is there any surprise one in there that you might throw in there i mean sasha banks at 40 to 1 i think we actually got some money on stephanie mcmahon at 80 to 1 uh the bellas i i think in brie at 100 to 1 i think it's kind of a nikki at 66 uh 66 to 1 but i would think those two I think Nia, Nia Jax and uh, Sasha Banks, I think those guys would. Because I think, like I said, there's two girls at SmackDown that can either win at Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch. I think the two girls uh, in, in the Royal Rumble for the Raw, I think Alexa Bliss at 10-1. to 1, And I'll give Nia Jax a, a shot to, uh, at 50-1. to 1. Well, let's stay on the women's side. Uh, your biggest favorite, I think, on everything is Ronda Rousey. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way that she doesn't win. Uh, on Sunday, I, I and I'm guessing you agree by the odds. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I, I mean, I, I thought about not putting that up, but just, uh, I mean, we wanted to bank on the name itself of Ronda Rousey. But yeah, I, this match should be, she should be fighting Nia Jax. I mean, I don't understand why it's Sasha Banks. I understand that they're trying to maybe give Sasha Banks a little bit more push, or maybe get her name out in front. So if they do have Sasha Banks and. Uh, uh, Bailey as the tag team champs uh, down the road. Maybe they can give some plug on that. But yeah, I don't understand why this is even a match. Uh, because <laughs> there's just no way Sasha Banks is going to beat Ronda Rousey at Royal Rumble. Well, let's shift gears to the men and uh, the men's SmackDown Championship match. You've got Daniel Bryan as a as a pretty heavy favorite over AJ Styles. So I guess you would be surprised if uh, AJ Styles gets the belt back then. No, I don't think, because here's another one I would not be shocked if he's wearing red uh, at the next uh, go-around. I, I just think now that the, the McMahons and all that are really in, in control of both house shows, I think we're going to see a huge, huge, huge shake-up uh, when that happens. So, yeah, I think Daniel Bryant, uh, minus $4, has to be uh, the easy uh, easy choice right here. Because, again, I think AJ Styles, I would like to see him uh, be battling off some of the uh, – some of the wrestlers over at Raw. It'd be great to see him go against Finn Balor. It'd be great to see him go against uh, uh, the, the roster that's over there on Raw. So I would not be, even Dolph Ziggler uh, would be with Bobby Lash. I think that'd be a good uh, match. I, I would not be shocked if he's wearing red. So I'm going to say Daniel Bryan uh, easily wins that one. All right. Let's uh, go to the Raw Men's Championship match. And 
you've got Brock Lesnar as a as a pretty solid favorite, but Finn Balor is not not a a super huge underdog that you know um, you think there's at least an outside chance there. Yeah, I, I do. Just because I mean, it, it all depends on how Finn Balor comes out. If he comes out all painted. <laughs> Ken, I would not be shocked if he's going to win it, and then they have totally different ways of angles to uh, to promote who he's going to face uh, and stuff like that. I mean, I, it's no shock that I think they're really going to push Seth Rollins to be the heavyweight champ now that uh, Roman Reigns is probably going to be out a little bit longer than maybe they projected, so uh, they have to go a different route. So I think maybe that's why uh, maybe that's not why Lesnar's only minus three sixty. But again, if Finn Balor comes out all painted up on this one. Uh, and you have a three to one ticket on Finn Balor, you might be looking pretty because uh, that could, that's the only way I think Finn Balor wins is how he comes out. But I, I see Brock Lesnar winning this match. Yeah, well, I, if you were putting a prop bet on whether uh, Finn Balor's coming out as the demon, I would I would lay the mortgage on that because I'm pretty sure he's going to come out uh, painted up for sure. Uh, let's go to the men's Royal Rumble. Uh, Look, we're hearing rumblings that they're looking at at Lesnar versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, and and you've got Seth Rollins as as the best favorite to win the Royal Rumble. So I guess you're kind of leaning in that direction as well. Yeah, I am leaning towards that direction because I would not be shocked if Roman Reigns does come back and is able to go and all that. I think he wins his belt back against his really close friend, Braun Strowman. I think that's why they're not giving Braun Strowman the love. I, I do believe he is not 100% with his uh, his uh, elbow injury. I think that's why they pulled him out. But, yeah, it, right now it looks like they, they really want Seth Rollins versus uh, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. That's why he's even money to win it. I mean, I, I understand the, the, the push of Drew McIntyre, but I just don't think right now uh, Drew McIntyre brought uh, uh, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania would do nothing to the box no. and all that. So you got to give it to Seth Rollins and uh, – and uh, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I, I'm shocked that with the, the public's not really betting this. I mean, the public. I mean, there's a, we're getting Kevin Owens money like there's no tomorrow. We're getting uh, Kenny Omega money coming in like uh, like there's no tomorrow. Bobby Lashley getting a lot of love. So it's gonna be very, very interesting. Usually the Royal Rumble has a couple of surprises, but I'm hearing that we're not gonna see that many big surprises like we've seen in the past. Again, with the McMahon's being in control, I think they're really listening to the crowd. And really listening to the fans, they don't want to see some old fart that's six years old that's just going to come out and make a big, uh, make a big pop, and that's it. And then he gets thrown over the ropes quickly. I think they want to see every wrestler in that ring has a shot to uh, to win it. Well, you you did mention Kenny Omega. I was looking at some of the interesting names that you do have odds on: uh, Kenny Omega, The Rock. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Owens getting a lot of money. Um, what was the other one that I did notice? You had Hulk Hogan in there as uh, plus ten thousand, uh, the Undertaker plus the, plus sixty six hundred, and I, I like this one that you kind of just buried in here on the last page. Uh, CM Punk at plus ten thousand. Oh, I, I had to put CM Punk in there. Come on, if I'm gonna put Hogan, I'm gonna put CM Punk in there. I, you know, I for, totally forgot to add in his lovely wife uh, to win. Uh, to women's and, I, and they told me I couldn't add it I was too I, I kind of understand why they didn't want me to add another name but I totally forgot so if she's going to listen to this podcast I apologize AJ <laughs> uh, well uh, before we wrap things up why don't you uh, tell people what you've got going on at my bookie uh, obviously all sorts of uh, Super Bowl props already in the works I mean hey, you see my emails <laughs> that I send you so yeah, yeah the Super Bowl props are pumping out left and right. I mean, and I know people are, it's 
Royal Rumble and stuff like that, but it's a lot of big stuff. If you're not just a, a, a football fan, we got the a Royal Rumble this week. We have uh, UFC, uh, Bellator is this weekend with the Fedor fighting for the belt. Uh, a couple weeks, you have the Oscars doing odds for the Razzie Awards. Uh, so not, it's just not just Super Bowl stuff that we're concentrating here. It's it's also primetime movie selection for uh, Oscars and Razzies and uh, SAG Awards. So if we're putting up odds on, on wrestling, we're going to put odds on pretty much everything else. So just jump over to mybookie.ag, click on anything you want on that left-hand section. We got some crazy stuff. We even got the U.S. politics props. Where's Trump going to do his inauguration? Uh, he's going to do his State of the Union. <laughs> you can bet that 25 to 1 that he's going to do at the border wall. Well, Raphael, we do want to remind people to uh, make sure to use our promo code. That's kick it and uh, open up an account and get in on all the uh, Royal Rumble action, Super Bowl action, and all that other good stuff that you mentioned. And we thank you for uh, giving us all the good stuff once again leading into the Royal Rumble. Not a problem. Have a fantastic week and enjoy the Royal Rumble. Uh, we will. Thank you. Always enjoy talking to Raphael. And you'll notice in uh, one part of that, we were discussing Finn Balor, whether he would uh, come out as the demon. And since we recorded that segment with him, uh, it started to come out uh, more and more that maybe we won't see the demon on Sunday, which I know would come as a surprise because he normally dons it for pay-per-views. Yeah, but he didn't don it for WrestleMania and stuff. And I think people could actually interpret his statement multiple ways. (laughs) And that's why I think it's important to read the actual statement and kind of leave it up to you guys because a lot of people on Twitter are kind of not misquoting, but they're they're just taking what they want out of this article quote. I think there's more to the story, and I'll read the actual quote right now. It's from ESPN.com, and it says, In regards to his ring gear for this Sunday at the Royal Rumble, Finn Balor told ESPN, I feel like maybe I leaned on the demon too much there in the past as a crutch. And I can assure you that the man who faces Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble will be Finn Balor, the man. I think a lot of people were surprised when I came out at WrestleMania, not in demon paint, but I feel like I had a bigger message to spread that day, one of equality and acceptance. Honestly, this match just kind of came about so fast that I haven't had much time to think about it. I don't have any new gear. I don't have any new looks. I don't have any new ideas right now. But, you know, we're still six days away, so I'm sure I can come up with something. So to me, he doesn't necessarily say, and this is how I was seeing it quoted. I was seeing people say, he's not donning the demon paint. And he said that, you know, in a finite way. No, this article makes it seem like he didn't say that. He just said he'll be facing the man, which I guess does insinuate that he won't be in demon paint. But to me, he leaves it up at the end where he says, oh, it's still six days away, though. So, you know, I'm sure I'll come up <laughs> with something. Yeah, I, I you talked about it last week. You don't like cool guy Finn Balor popping I the jacket. Don't. Let's hope it's not that. I, I'm I'm hoping, even if it's not the demon, I'm hoping he comes out with something special. But you you've brought up they like to protect the demon, and there's a lot of feeling that he's not going to win right. on Sunday. That's exactly what I've been hearing, and that's what I've you know speculated in the past. Like at WrestleMania, that is obvious why he didn't do the demon paint. It's because he wasn't going to end up winning, and that makes perfect sense. Yep. Protect that character because the demon's supposed to be kind of like it's supposed to be so strong that nobody can beat it. It's supposed to be the best version of himself, the version that he relies on to do things that the man Finn Balor can't do. So maybe we'll see multiple Brock Balor matches, and maybe he won't bring the demon out for this one, even though to me, 
you're at the Royal Rumble. This is a huge stage. This should be the one that's the demon. But maybe they're waiting for a second match between the two of them, and then he can call on the demon because he needs to. I don't know. There's all kinds of things you can speculate as to will he, won't he, if he doesn't, why, etc., etc. Well, you heard uh, our our interview, Kelsey. Uh, let's get a couple of your thoughts on uh, the Royal Rumble and uh, maybe w- what match jumps out at you out of the uh, the non Royal Rumble matches. I, I'm looking forward to Asuka versus Becky Lynch. I think it should be good. I really want Asuka to retain because, again, she was kind of diminished for so long. And I use the word diminish, and what I mean by that word is she had such a strong winning streak in NXT. She was so dominant, I guess you could say. And then kind of when she moved into the main roster and finally lost against Charlotte, I feel like she was not the same as a character ever since. She didn't seem like the threat she always was. So to me, I want to see her being the dominant Asuka that I love and winning against Becky Lynch and retaining, I should say, against Becky Lynch would really kind of be a sign that the old school Asuka of NXT is back and she is a threat and she is someone to take seriously now. And you heard me say it to Raphael. I think if that match is early in the show and Asuka beats Becky Lynch, I think Becky Lynch comes back and wins the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah, I could see that happening. And then faces Ronda Rousey. I, don't, I, I, I get what Raphael said, that Charlotte versus Ronda would be a WrestleMania, and I get that. That probably is very likely. But I know they also wanted to have that Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and Becky Lynch is so on fire right now, no pun intended. Um, I wonder... If that's the direction they'll go, and then you have Charlotte against Asuka again at WrestleMania for the SmackDown title, a lot of I ways just, they could go there. I just don't see that being a matchup again two years in a row. Don't get me wrong, Asuka and Charlotte is a WrestleMania-worthy match, but I don't know if they would do that same match, you know, two years back-to-back. I could see it maybe, like, you know, down the road again. It's not like they can't repeat stuff and people can't have multiple matches against each other on big stages, but I just don't see it happening. They haven't done something like that in a while where they would have the same people match up in a singles, you know, except for maybe your big people like Rock and Stone Cold. Now, that's a different case entirely, in my opinion. I feel like, uh, you know, Becky Charlotte or Becky Ronda or Charlotte Ronda would be on the level of Rock Stone Cold more so than Asuka Charlotte. And I'm not taking anything away from Asuka. I'm just saying with... The crowd behind those three women, it's different than um, how that I think they would be behind Asuka and Charlotte as a match. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, but I am really curious to see if if Asuka wins it, if Charlotte wins the Royal Rumble, where does that put Becky Lynch? That That's going to be another interesting part of it, too. Does she have a rematch against Asuka at WrestleMania? A lot of, a lot of factors there. You heard him say... Uh, Seth Rollins is the favorite. We've been hearing that Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar is going to be the match at Royal Rumble. So You mean at WrestleMania? Or, uh, at WrestleMania, excuse me. Uh, so if it isn't Seth Rollins, who makes sense other than Braun Strowman, I guess? <laughs> That's a hard question for me to answer. Like I said, if Balor loses in his non-demon gear, I think but I don't think the company thinks that Balor and Brock could be great at Mania, but Balor, the difference in demon paint. I don't think that's going to happen, of course. If it's not Seth Rollins, God, it's hard for me to say who it could be. Yeah. 
Um, I honestly don't know. I feel like he's running out of opponents, and that's why I think it shouldn't be Brock as champion much longer. Really, you need somebody fresh, and you need fresh matchups. I know that you and Raphael talked about um, Drew McIntyre. Now, the company I know sees him as a big main guy and a star for them in the future. To me, I just don't think the audience buys it, and nope. I don't think that would be a great headliner at all. Please, no matter what, I don't care who Brock faces, if he's still the champ, let's say, which I think he will be by Mania, I don't want to see him versus... Drew McIntyre yeah. versus Brock. No, and I think what will happen is they we're kind of setting up a match between Strowman and, Strowman and McIntyre. I think that's where the direction they'll go with those two. I think it is going to be Rollins and, and Brock, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. <laughs> we just kind of glossed over, and this will be the final thing we talk about. He had Kenny Omega in his list of odds at, coming out at the Royal Rumble. Any yeah. chance? Would you put any money no. on his two thousand plus 2,000 of Kenny Omega coming out at the Royal Rumble? Nick Jackson just tweeted out <clears> a joke <throat> tweet. He said, you know, oh, yeah. Kenny told me that if someone randomly asked me if he was going to be at the Rumble, to say yes. <laughs> and he's going to breach his contract to do so because he's technically, you know, still in New Japan Pro Wrestling until the end of the month, which includes the Royal Rumble this weekend. Right. So, um, no, I don't think there's any chance. And I've got a bone to pick with Raphael. He had CM Punk the same odds as Hulk Hogan, and that's the bone I have to pick with him because it makes no sense. CM Punk is not going to show up at the Rumble. It's way more likely that Hulk Hogan would show up because Hulk Hogan literally just made up with the WWE. It's not like completely out of the realm of possibility, whereas in my opinion, CM Punk is out of the realm of possibility. So, Raphael, I think you're completely wrong. They shouldn't be at the same odds. CM Punk should be astronomically out of reach. Like, it should be a ridiculous bet. All right. No well, way. All right. Then I'll give it, put it to you this way. CM Punk or Kenny Omega? We, I think we're in agreement neither is going to happen. Yeah. But if one was going to happen. Kenny Omega. Yeah. CM Punk seems to dislike wrestling. He seems to... Now, I'm not saying it's not possible that he might work with AEW. He's friends with those guys. Because to me, if anybody is to get him back into wrestling, I think it's the Bucks, especially. Because, you know... Who doesn't love the Bucks as, in terms of wrestlers? They seem to have friends everywhere, and everyone calls them their best friends. They're like, the Bucks are my best friend. Multiple people have said this. Like Gallows and Anderson, AJ Styles has said it, Kevin Owens has said it multiple times. So many different people have said it. That's why I think if anybody could do it, it could be the Bucks. But uh, WWE getting them to come back? I don't think so. There was all that drama. You get the lawsuit that just wrapped up, like, less than a year ago and i mean you saw punk afterwards he was like crying and stuff he was devastated it took a lot of a lot out of him there's no way in my opinion he'd show up in a wwe ring in the next five to ten years well let's uh shift gears we'll get to takeover in a moment but uh speaking of wrestlemania and guys who have uh left wwe and moved on a uh, guy we saw at wrestlemania 33 in Orlando on the pre-show against Austin Aries. And it should not have been on the pre-show. Well, yeah. I mean, half the people in that stadium missed it. Right. Because everyone was still filing in. It was really busy getting into there. So, to me, that was such an egregious thing. <laughs> and it could be one of the reasons that, you know, Neville, now Pac, again, he decided to think about leaving, you know? I don't know. But I know he wasn't even featured on the DVD. And that affected how much money he got and... I just think it's kind of telling that they didn't value him more. They just put him, you know, on the pre-show. And he is a world-class talent. Well, speaking of him, 
we caught up on a couple of his uh, matches in Rev Pro. One was from November. One was from a couple weeks ago. Uh, one was against Speedball Mike Bailey. Uh, the other was against Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, just talk about what we saw there. Uh, both were really good matches. Yeah, I mean, I think the Zack Sabre Jr. match was the best match out of the two. But I'm not taking anything away from that Mike Bailey match because it was awesome. And if you guys don't know, we will get back to Pac in a second. But if you don't know who Speedball Mike Bailey is, you should check him out immediately. And the closest comparison I can draw is think of somebody like Osprey. Think of somebody like Ricochet. Um, you got your high flyers like that. Speedball Mike Bailey is kind of like in the same vein as them. He's even in the same vein as Neville. Now he's Pac again, of course. But he is different in that he kind of brings a martial arts mm-hmm. spin yep. and flair to it. He wears a black belt. He comes down to the ring and like spin kicks people's hands when they reach out their hands to give them a high five. He kicks their hands. Um, he's so awesome and he does a lot of strikes with his legs, which I love. And they're really powerful seeming and that really kind of makes him more than just a high flyer. So think about like Osprey, but with a striker mixed. But at the, in the same breath, some of his high flying stuff is great. And the match against Pac, uh, Pac goes sliding under the ropes Speedball Mike Bailey jumps over him to avoid him, jumps onto the top rope, and moonsaults down to the floor. It was such a seamless move. Oh, it was, it was awesome. so good. Uh. But Pack was also very impressive in that as well. I, I, again, that was really kind of his, you know, he's been working the independent circuits, kind of, you, you said he was working in, in Japan a little bit since. Dragon Gate, yep. yes. So. And I think. You know, Pac hasn't lost anything since leaving WWE. He's only gained momentum, and he's only going to continue to gain momentum as he joins in with the AEW roster. And I think that he'll have a great singles match against Adam Page. That's going to wind up being awesome. I think they're going to have really great chemistry together. And I'm glad that he kept his heel character, you know, when he left WWE. Because at first, as we all know, when he was first with WWE and NXT, and then later on the main roster... He was a babyface, and he was good. I mean, I love his match if you go back into NXT against Sami Zayn. And he was, like, kind of a tortured babyface back then. Like, he didn't want to fight his friend. But I think him as a heel is even better than babyface Neville. Well, take you back to those NXT days with him. I was doing an interview with Mark Henry at WrestleMania Access during WrestleMania 30. And in the middle of the interview, and this is before anybody knew who Neville was, he stops me, and he's like, I want you to watch this. And off in the distance, remember, they were having NXT matches at the convention center. And Neville hits the red arrow. And he's like, that guy's going to be a star. And he, he, he was to an extent with WWE, but not as much as he should have been. And I wonder if AEW is going to be that platform to really make him a superstar. I think so, because when he moved from NXT, where he was a top singles guy, when he moved from there to the main roster, he was like, kind of like more of a mid-card or even lower. And when he was relegated to 205 Live, I don't think he liked that. I mean, some people are content, and we've talked about this for weeks, some people are content with their place on the card, even if it's not at the top. Some people just like making decent money, and they like doing what they love and being able to afford a decent living, but still doing what they like. Other people aren't satisfied, and they they know they can do more, they, can, they know they can accomplish more, and that they're better than that. I think Pac's one of those people, and I think he knows... With a platform like AEW, with people like Chris Jericho and the Bucks, arguably, you know, the most over wrestlers on the indies, I think 
he's going to have that platform he's been yearning for again, and he's going to be bigger than he ever was before he went to WWE. And I'll be curious to see if we get a definitive pronunciation, <laughs> kind of like uh, you know months ago when uh, Tommaso Ciampa took the title, and he's like, it's Champa, like yeah. I'm the champ, not Ciampa. We even in this show, this Rev Pro show, we heard both announcers. The ring announcer called him Pac. The the play by play and analyst guy called him Pac. So one thing one thing is correct unless he's fine with both. But one thing I did love was the announcer talk. He alluded to his time in WWE, and his exact quote was, "Since he's since his time away, he's t- turned into a bit of a bastard." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> And um, let's focus a little bit now on the Pac versus Zack Sabre Jr. match, which was my favorite of the two we just watched. I'm so happy we checked out this match because it was so well done. There was this great sequence. It was basically both of them on the mat. Mm-hmm. Um, you really have to see it to believe it because my words are not going to do it justice no, at all. No, you could describe it as well as you could, and it's still not going to be... The visual of it, especially for mat-based escapes, was amazing. It really was. So, like, you know, basically Pac had Zack Sabre Jr. down, pinned, uh, and Zack Sabre Jr. bridged up so that his shoulders wouldn't be down. And Neville kept stomping on him with his knees to lower, you know, the bridge, to lower his body so that his shoulders were touching the mat. And then, all of a sudden, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. couldn't be leveled to the ground. He was just staying in the bridging position. And then... After that, they went into a great counter little sequence, and it was awesome. It was very fluid, very smooth. It reminded me of how smooth the Jay Lethal and Dalton Castle match was recently, but even better. Because you got two really great wrestlers and um, different styles, actually, but just the smoothness and the chemistry was there right away. Well, I and, loved it. And credit to Zack Sabre, who we've, uh, as we've mentioned several times, kind of done a 180 on. He, I mean... He could have very easily been jet-lagged. I mean, this match took place just two days after he won the title at Wrestle Kingdom in Japan. It was his first defense right. of the title since winning it back. So, flies from Japan to uh, London, where it was where the show was, and puts on a great show, and uh, it was a great match. Let me say this, you know, not Pac-related, but... I looked at this match, and I look at so many of his matches, and I think to myself, how did I flip in ever not like Zack right. Sabre Jr.? Right. How is there a point in time where I was like, eh, he's all right? What was I thinking? And, and knowing that he's partners with Suzuki, it's like oh my God, they're, they're perfect, so perfect together. Yeah. But like you said when I told you that earlier, you kind of told me, well, you know, he has upped his character work Absolutely. a lot this past year and a half, two years, especially since well, pairing with Suzuki, like you mentioned. I feel like he's more heelish than ever. Like if you look back to when he guest appeared in the CWC, the Cruiserweight Classic back in NXT, now that was just an appearance. Obviously, he didn't sign with NXT, which I'm so happy about because I just don't think you would see the Zack Sabre Jr. that you're seeing now if he had stayed. Even if he had become heel, I feel like Suzuki adds so much to him and has really kind of rubbed off on him in terms of being a great heelish character. He kind of showed him the way, you know, showed him the path of heelishness, and I love it. But um, even looking back at the CWC, like I said, he was just kind of like a British guy. And his wrestling was just as great as it is now, but the character wasn't there. Now, with his heel stuff, oh, I gotta love it. <laughs> well, again, I'll circle back to what the announcer said. He's uh, He was talking about Pac, but he could have very easily been describing Zack Sabre Jr. He's turned into a little bit of a bastard. <laughs> he has, <laughs> so, and I love it. <laughs> well, switching gears, a guy that's not a bastard, and we couldn't be happier about the news 
about Flip Gordon at Ring of Honor. Yeah, Flip just tweeted out, and Ring of Honor has confirmed this by also tweeting it out, that he will be back in time for G1 Supercard in New York. I'm so excited. God, that's great news for Ring of Honor as a promotion, because as we have been talking about the last few weeks, Flip was somebody they were building on, and, you know, really counting on to kind of be a singles star for them. And when he got injured the other night, I was really scared, like, oh, man, there goes a lot of planning and somebody that the company was counting on. But um, not to flip the coin too quickly. Right. But we've also got bad news for injuries for Ring of Honor. Chris Sabin tweeted out that it's going to be 8 to 12 months before he can return. He's got an ACL tear. That is such bad news because I really thought he was poised to have a singles push as well. Maybe not a championship push at the top, not the Ring of Honor world title, but maybe like, you know, a mid-card title, like the television title per se. He could have easily gotten that this year, especially after breaking away from the tag team with Motor City Machine Guns. I really thought he was poised to have a great year, and now this happens. Bad news for Ring of Honor, but at least the flip thing is good. Speedy recovery wishes, though, to Chris Sabin. And speaking of Ring of Honor, we're going to start uh, watching a little more of the TV tapings uh, we started to watch one this week, but it was still the shows in Philadelphia. So we'll kind of get caught up a little bit when we start seeing those shows that were recorded in Atlanta. At but, center stage, yeah. But I did want to touch on some news that has been coming out about this new faction, Lifeblood. Yeah. I think this is a good move for Ring of Honor to uh, kind of have some factions, whether it's the Kingdom, whatever. Villain Enterprises. Villain Enterprises. I think that's a good way to build up some rivalries while you transition some new roster people in. But this is what the uh, faction Lifeblood is going to look like. It's Juice Robinson's the leader with his buddy David Finley. Finn Juice, as we Finn saw. Finn Juice. <laughs> oh, no. Not the song again, please. No, no. Uh, Tennille Dashwood, uh, Bandito, Mark Haskins, and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. So I like the idea of a faction there. And, you know, that gets Bandito maybe a little more play. Certainly gets Tracy Williams a little more play. I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move in a way. In another way, I feel like the pairings are very odd. It is kind of random. It is. <laughs> and what makes me think it's odd is like Haskins to me could easily be a singles guy, a very successful singles guy on his own. Like he probably doesn't need any help from a faction. And I, I mean, you look at somebody like Marty who's currently leader of a faction. I know that just because you're in one doesn't mean that you're wrestling multi-man matches all right. the time. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like I don't think he needed to stand with anybody. I would have liked to have seen him develop like a a standalone persona, not, you know, counting on a faction to help him get over. But having said that, some of the other people in the faction I do think will benefit from it. I'm hearing some things on Twitter. A lot of people might not like this. I've heard, you know, oh, this is just their answer to being the elite leaving. You know, the elite was their kind of big faction, and this is like a poor man's the elite kind of. Uh, nobody's going to be the elite. So if of that, course not. If, if that's their me, plan, that's a bad plan. But no I think comparison. Having, but really. I think having factions, again, in this transitional phase – is a good idea. I think it's a good idea because it probably leads to a lot of different matchups and different ways people can, you know. But I wonder, because Tennille Dashwood's going to be in this faction, does Villain Enterprises add a female wrestler to theirs? Does the nah. kingdom, so that everyone has one? I don't know. I don't think so. I, it depends on the wrestler. It's got to be a fit, I guess, but it could be interesting. I don't think they're trying to mirror each faction after each no, other. Like, no. That would be too, you know, symmetrical of, you know. 
if you know what I mean. I just think that'd be too similar if every faction had one woman and the rest men. It just doesn't make sense. But I get your point that you're trying to make. But overall, I think it could be a good thing. It might keep things fresh. I just do think it's a little random, as you said. <laughs> but let's see. I'm, I'm not saying it's the elite. And I don't think Ring of Honor is saying it's the elite. I don't think they're trying to replace the elite because you can't. And I think they know that. I think this is just something that they want to try out. I think it's a good way to pair these guys together, especially somebody like Hot Sauce. Like, what is, else is he going to do? Right. This will help him get over. It'll help him be a better singles guy in the future and uh, help him get familiarized to the ROH crowd, like hopefully there'll be a love affair between him and the crowd and they'll start to really get behind him because so. of this. Hopefully. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, this new, uh, as we talked about it before, this this new version of Ring of Honor with so many new stars going to kind of carve out their way in Ring of Honor. Let's quickly uh, wrap up the first segment, uh, circle back to WWE. Of course, because it's a big pay-per-view, there's an NXT takeover as well. Uh, five matches. Uh, the the bro is getting Cassius Ono again. Uh, that'll probably be the earliest match, but uh, some really good matches. Uh, what, what jumps out at you on TakeOver? Well, of course, <clears throat> my bro, you've already alluded to him, Matt Riddle. I got to say, he's probably my favorite guy in NXT right now. Not because of anything he's done in NXT, just because I love him, period. No mm -hmm. matter where he is, no matter what he does, I just think he's such a natural in the ring to have transitioned from MMA to wrestling so smoothly. I have great respect for him, and I just love him so much. He might be <laughs> one of my favorites ever. Well, you love Bianca Belair, and she's finally getting her first uh, takeover appearance going against Shayna Baszler. Well-deserved. I heard some people call her overhyped. I don't see how you could see her and her, her insane athleticism and think she's overhyped. She is incredible. She's powerful. She's strong. She might be the strongest woman in NXT, maybe in WWE. I don't know. I like her a lot, and I like this matchup a lot. Two totally different types of women athletes going against each other. I think it's going to make for an interesting match. Gargano versus Ricochet, Champa versus Black, Undisputed Era versus War Raiders. We say it all the time. These NXT pay-per-views are the perfect length. They're really always good, solid shows, and I expect nothing different this weekend. Although I really love Royal Rumble. It is one of my favorite WWE pay-per-views, as we talked about earlier. To me, the show of the weekend that I'm looking forward to the most is NXT TakeOver. Absolutely. And it kind of always is, <clears throat> and it's kind of always for the main show pay-per-view it's hard for that pay-per-view to follow NXT usually. And I think that's going to be the same case this weekend. So I'm looking forward to NXT TakeOver. I am too, and I'm also looking forward to our next segment. It's a uh, pop and wrestling connection as we bring that back, soon to be a standalone again. But in the meantime, we're going to the movies when we come back on Two-Face Wrestling. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. 
Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and now it's time for one of my favorite segments ever, the Pop and Wrestling Connection. Where we basically take pop culture segments and topics, and we mix it with wrestling. And this week, you know, originally we were going to do Tommy Boy recast with wrestlers but instead of just doing tommy boy i felt like expanding the topic to movies make any movie you want wrestling related we will get back to the tommy boy one later but i want some more variety of answers before we get to that so maybe in the coming weeks keep submitting your answers to the tommy boy wrestling crossover but right now we're going to do movies and literally i I told people they could do anything they wanted. They could take a movie title and kind of spoof the title name and make it wrestling-related. They could have taken a plot and kind of made it and changed it to be wrestling-related. Or they could do what we always do and take a movie and just recast the characters with wrestlers and explain why. So we had tons of great answers, and I'm really excited because a lot of them were super creative. Let's get right into it. Go ahead, Paul. All right, first one is from Saitama TGS Gray. Toy Story, but all Andy's toys are WWE action figures. I thought that one was great, and it makes perfect sense. And I'm a sucker for Toy Story, so props to you, my friend. I like that answer. Then we've got our good friend Carl Scold. He says, and this is close to my heart here, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. White Ranger would be Kenny Omega, the Red Ranger Cody Rhodes, the Blue Ranger Nick Jackson, the Black Ranger Matt Jackson, Pink Ranger Brandy Rhodes, and the Yellow Ranger Britt Baker. It's looking like a theme here, <laughs> AEW type of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. These six Rangers battle against the evil McMahons as the McMahons try to take over all the other wrestling promotions from around the world. So kind of similar to Ivan Ooze trying to take over the world. The McMahons are trying to take it over. But no, the AEW Power Rangers won't let it happen. Love it, Carl. Great, great, great answer. Yep, good stuff. Next one from uh, Graham Bagshaw, Bumblebee. But he calls it Rumblebee. 30 Transformers with one entering the ring every 90 seconds. Last one left in the ring is the winner. So, so clever. <laughs> I love it. And he had a second one. Teenagers try to find a meaning and a message from the spiritual Matt Seidel. Deep Impact Wrestling. And that is a spoof of Deep, Deep Impact. Impact. Yes. So, so well done. I love it. And I am very impressed with his reference of Matt Seidel. Great job, Graham. I really like that one. Then we've got Wills, who's my buddy who also works with me at Wrestling Inc. He says, SCU playing different members of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Then he also goes in depth and goes on more and says, Vince McMahon as Thanos, Stephanie as Gamora, Triple H is Star-Lord, <laughs> Batista is Batista, <laughs> which I love. And, of course, he's talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. And then he rounds it all up, and he says, and this is the funniest one, Kevin Dunn as Rocket the Raccoon. <laughs> Not a wrestler, but wrestling-related nonetheless. Yes. And it's hilarious, and I could totally see it. Next one from at Secord Dunn, a scar is born, like a star is born, of course, with Abdullah the Butcher. Love that. Yeah, she posted a gif underneath a scar is born with Abdullah, you know, basically blinking. Somebody else left a pretty terrible comment and said, congrats, now you've got hepatitis. <laughs> That's horrible. That is pretty terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. <laughs> 
I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to respond. <laughs> then we've got at CP Buff 22, a Spider-Man movie based on his House of M comic, where he became a famous wrestler who transitioned into a Hollywood star. So like not the normal Spider-Man universe, but a separate universe where basically he was also a wrestler. And then he says, Spider-Man got into trouble though when his rival Green Goblin, who is actually the wrestler Crusher Hogan, he goes after him outside of the ring. So he's actually describing the plot from the House of M comics. So I think he's just saying it already has wrestling in it, so how about make that into a movie? <laughs> uh, next one, at GFan1954, 12 angry men, 12 superstars on jury duty arguing a murder case. Oh, and one of the men would be the man... Becky Lynch. Then we've got at Russell Ace, and he gave in two, and he made awesome Photoshop images to go with both of his, you know, his choices, his answers. He said, Disney's Balor and the Beast. Of course, a spoof <laughs> of Beauty and the Beast. And he says, it writes itself. And then he also said, how about a Rusev-themed Independence Day movie, Rusev Day? And again, like I said, he made a Photoshop photo, which if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see that now. Our friend Lisa at LC. Heim says Ocean Eleven reminds me a lot of being an elite. Is I, that because uh, being the elite is just stealing money? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's because, you know, they're all friends and comrades, and they could pull off the heist of the century, you're saying, by taking people's money? Yeah, exactly. I, I think they do it in a more straightforward way, <laughs> the heist. But, but, yeah, I could see the whole, you know, the way they relate to each other. And their chemistry being very similar to Ocean's Eleven. I love that answer. And that's one of my favorite movies ever. I love that trilogy of movies. Then our good friend Josh at McGeeky Designs. Check out his Twitter and his work, guys. He says, and this is clever, Back to the Future. Sting and Flair go back in time to stop the Shockmaster debacle. But it causes a rift in time that they have to repair. I love it. And, of course, he's talking about the Shockmaster just falling through the wall. Uh, next one from Aunt Dave Pazewski. The Breakfast Club, but it's a WWE locker room. I like this premise already. The principal is played by Vince McMahon, of course. Molly Ringwald is played by Carmella. Andrew Emilio Estevez, played by AJ Styles. Brian Anthony Michael Hall is played by Daniel Bryan. Allison, the weird girl character, is played by Nikki Cross. That that may be the best part of it. No, this. this one's good, too. The Bender one. And John Bender is played by Randy Orton. That's the perfect Bender. I would have never, ever put that together. But Orton is so, like, creepy and in-between and, and strange. Yeah. It is the perfect Bender. Like, he's a cool guy, but he's also weird and, and menacing. Yeah. Yes, it's Orton. Such a good job, Dave. Great, great job. Then we've got at G Hamrick 75 this one has me stumped, more of a who to cast than anything, but thinking of The House on Haunted Hill, the original with Vincent Price. But instead, with wrestling talent on the main WWE roster being given a title opportunity if they can spend the night in a haunted house. I like it. Uh, at HeyAndy63, Brock Lesnar's day off, like Ferris Bueller, but Brock just spends the entire movie dodging Vince McMahon. And then I think I would go even further than that. To me, I would spoof the name to Brock Lesnar's days off, not just one day, <laughs> multiple days off, which would follow Brock around for months as he dodged both Vince and wrestling altogether. Because, <laughs> you know, he doesn't do anything exactly. for a long period of time. So then our next one comes from at J Mel's 1323. He says he'd like to see Tombstone done as a wrestling movie. The trash talk between Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo would be amazing. I like that. At Freebird 316, 2001, a space 
Woo! Mountain Odyssey. I was going to scold you if you didn't, like, of course. give it some gusto, but you did great. I was going to actually be like, 2001, a space, woo! Mountain Odyssey. <laughs> if I didn't have the art car in me, maybe not. Yeah, that was good, Paul. I'm very, very surprised that you actually did it. <laughs> I hit a whole new octave there. You did. <laughs> At Tyrant0125, he spoofed the movie Bridge to Terabithia. He said, bridging suplex to <laughs> Terabithia. Uh, at F Scopers, Purple Rainmaker instead of Prince's Purple Rain. And I love that so much. But you should have been like, Rainmaker! <laughs> like they say on commentary. Dearly beloved. That was my Prince impersonation. Sorry. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> if that really kind of invokes Prince at all. <laughs> but good try. <laughs> at WR underscore Central says, Here's a plot for you. Dr. Cube finally succeeded in getting Godzilla on his side, so the heroes must overcome in Kaiju Big Battle. Dragon Gate Z, the Pac Saga, the Balor Identity, instead of the Born Identity, <laughs> Steiner, Scott Steiner, Double O, 66 and two-thirds percent <laughs> chance. <laughs> so instead of double O seven, you right. just did that whole... I love it. So many little spoofs in there in one. I love it. Very, very good job. At WrestleBear1 linked me to a video spoof of the Bruce Springsteen song, The Wrestler, which was used in the movie. The spoof shows Jason Voorhees inst instead of the wrestler character, and they changed the song lyrics to be about killing camp counselors at Camp Crystal Lake. So, yeah, it was already a spoof of the movie The Wrestler with Jason. Right. So I liked that because it was kind of already taking a movie character and mixing it with wrestling and vice versa, actually. At Big Paws on a Pup, the Sean Stasiak Redemption, spoof of the Shawshank Redemption. Very <laughs> clever with the name there. I really loved all the, the submissions this week because... I don't know. It just took creativity to another level. And I kind of like when we do a more broad topic. Sometimes we do very specific ones. Like a few months ago, we just did Power Rangers. And we've done just specific movies before. We just recast that one movie. This one opened it up. And that's why I think we had so many variety of creative answers. So thank you guys for submitting. It means a lot to us. But now it's time for our answers. I guess I'll start. And I'm going to go a little old school, which is ironic and a pun, which I didn't even realize. But... Old school. You'll get it in a second. Um, this is a movie, a Western, called The Outlaw Josie Wales. A Clint Eastwood movie. I have never heard of this. I can't believe it. I'm like a cinephile. <laughs> You're coming up with a movie reference I don't know. Usually it's the other way around. I know. I know. Continue. Well, because I'm not pulling uh, uh, Power Rangers movie. <laughs> <laughs> These are actual good movies. Uh, I've seen plenty of good movies. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, but... This, this is The Outlaw Josie Wales, and uh, it's a Clint Eastwood movie, and I'm casting The Undertaker as Clint Eastwood. And if you see how Josie Wales is, is dressed in this movie, he's avenging, of course, deaths of his family, and he goes rogue. Uh, but I can picture The Undertaker in this role, uttering like all of his lines. That's why the old school reference. Now, do you get it? Undertaker yeah, old school? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> okay. Um, Knocking off various guys, all the people who were involved in killing his wife. You know, the first guy, and it, all the bad guys would be all the guys he's beaten in at all the WrestleMania. So, wow. so it'll start off by Jimmy Superfly Snooker, who maybe is just an in, innocent person who gets in his way. But he mows down people. But along the way, just like in WrestleMania 15, he encounters the law, the big boss man, who's trying <laughs> to try and stop him. 
but there's no stopping the Undertaker. He is bound for revenge. Even his own brother can't stop him. Kane, <laughs> a badass like Triple H can't stop him. And eventually, he tries to avenge things, and he's stopped by Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is the man that stops him, and evil wins. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So it takes a true beast to, to defeat him. Yes. Clint Eastwood slash The Undertaker. Yes. Oh, my. But, but lots of, just like Undertaker can snarl those snarky little comments, just like Clint Eastwood, perfect fit. Rest in peace after he shoots people down. Exactly. He's exactly. exactly. Yeah, I like it. So now is my turn. Okay. So uh, I don't know. What kind of got me thinking in this direction is you and I – just had the really cool experience of seeing an orchestra play along with the movie Jaws. And it got me remembering, I've seen Jaws maybe like a hundred times in my life. It's, it's really one of my favorite movies. It's literally my dad's ultimate favorite movie of all time. It's definitely in my top ten. It's just so well made. Everything about it is amazing. And after seeing it with an orchestra, it just reminded me of how much I love that movie. One of the best monologues of all time with, you know the character of Quint talking about the shark, one of the greatest scores of all time, the acting's awesome, some of the greatest lines, I don't know, just everything about it is just perfect. A lot of cinematic artsy shots that I personally love, and um, just on location, on the water, shooting it, that's just impressive, and all the stories about the mechanical shark not working, mm -hmm. and if you just know a lot of behind-the-scenes stories of the movie, it just blows your mind how they actually made it, and how it still stands up to the test of time even today, and in fact, if you look at newer shark movies, they're all trash. <laughs> how come a movie made in, like, the 70s is better than these ones made, like, sometimes 20, 30 years later? It's because... It was all about suspense and knowing how to make people afraid without even showing anything. And the impact that movie had at that time. People literally wouldn't go in the water after seeing that movie. Not only that, I mean, Peter <laughs> Benchley kind of feels bad. He's the, the guy who wrote the novel Jaws, which the movie's based on. He felt bad because people actually started to, like, kill sharks. And shark population went down a lot after that movie, funnily enough. So later he wrote books about, you know the truth about sharks and how to like, you know, avoid getting bit, but also to respect them. So I kind of think that's kind of cool how he turned all around because Jaws had such an impact on the shark population. But to get to my wrestling related answer, I just kept thinking about this movie and I thought this would be the perfect one to make wrestling related. Now bear with me here. So I even recast the shark. So the <laughs> shark is PCO. Okay. So PCO is kind of like, He's scary, superhuman, really big. He's like a monster in, him, in himself. I don't know. I think he'd be like the perfect villain for the movie. He'd be the perfect shark. So then you've got the main cast of characters. Quint is the hardest one to cast because he's kind of like unlikable in a way. Crotchety. Crotchety, <laughs> mean. But you also don't want anything to happen to him. I think the perfect guy who's kind of villainous but everyone loves him, Marty Skrull. And although PCO and Marty Skrull are aligned now in a faction, I feel like the whole storyline of my Jaws, my wrestling Jaws, would be that Marty's trying to tame the shark instead of, you know, kill him, instead of trying to kill the shark, a.k.a. PCO. He's trying to tame him and bring him over to his side. He's so confident in his abilities, he thinks he can rein PCO in. PCO is thinking differently. Nuh-uh. Then we've got our secondary cast of characters, Osprey, 
who's going to be Hooper, a.k.a. Richard Dreyfuss' <laughs> character. And I think because him and Marty would have such a great opposition, because, you know, Marty, Skrull, and Osprey, they, they sometimes don't get along. They've got a really good kind of back and forth. But sometimes they can laugh and get along. So it's the perfect dichotomy of interaction between the two of them. And Osprey can, you know, kind of be second-guessing Marty at every turn. And he also kind of seems very knowledgeable and smart. Like, he'd be a good person to have on your team against PCO. Like, Marty, you should try to do this to get PCO on our, you know, our, <laughs> our side. That type of stuff. And then we've got our final guy, who's Chief Brody. It's going to be Colt Cabana. And I thought of somebody, like, it's got to be somebody who is respected, but also kind of laughed at and is out of his element. So Cole Cabana would be out of his element with, like, this villain and this really great high flyer. He'd be like, where do I fit in? How am I going to help with this PCO situation? But he'll be the one who utters the line, you're going to need a bigger ring. <laughs> <laughs> because PCO is just too much man for them to handle. Right. Just like the shark was too much for all of them to handle. So does it end with PCO literally murdering Marty Skrull? <laughs> like... You know, Quint gets eaten by the shark, I guess. <laughs> I guess so that. And then Colt's like, smile, you son of a... <laughs> and he basically pins PCO and PCO retires. There you That's go. That's how it ends. I like it. It's good stuff. Yeah. And both of those came to us uh, just mere hours before the show. Yeah. So good stuff all around. Well, that's uh, about a wrap on things. But before we finish, it's time to uh, close out the show and send them home. Yep. closing out the show i kind of mentioned this last week wow just premiered on access tv of course i mean women of wrestling and it's going to continue airing every friday i was sent a teaser video of the second episode looks pretty good i definitely can tell you that tessa blanchard will be on the second episode so look out for that it's going to be airing at 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific time and uh, i think everyone should check it out give their support to it well, speaking of good shows, another good show to look forward to as we circle back to uh, our Rev Pro discussion earlier. Uh, high Stakes coming up on uh, February 15th, and Pack is going to go against Osprey. I am really looking forward to this match. I can't wait to see it. I, I hope we can watch it live. I'm hoping that's going to work out for us because I, I'm looking forward to seeing this. Osprey, as we've mentioned on the show, one of our two favorite, three favorite, both of us, and... Uh, Pack from what we saw from those two matches we watched against Speedball Mike Bailey and against uh, ZSJ. Uh, looks like he is off and running on the independent circuit and uh, looking forward to AEW as well. Yep, I can't wait to see that match. Great pick, Paul, for the ending of the show. But now it's time to say goodbye. We want to thank you before we do sign off. And, you know, your time means a lot to us. So, so thanks for supporting us. Please continue to do so. Keep a lookout on our Twitter, like we said before, at SuperKickingIt, also at TwoFacePod, for more updates on all things wrestling, including our live show, which will be taking place the day of Elimination Chamber in Houston at St. Arnold's Beer Garden. And you can look out for that poll that Kelsey keeps promising about her t-shirt. Will yep. it happen next week? I say no. I don't know. <laughs> it depends, because before Kushida 
retires in that match from New Japan Pro Wrestling and moves on to a different promotion, I'm going to wear a Kushida shirt. So that won't be up for a poll. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe next week will be or won't be. I'll have to time out the Kushida shirt just right. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. Thank you guys so much for checking out our show. We so appreciate it. Have a good rest of the day or night, depending on when you're watching. And that's it for us. That's the finish. <laughs> Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.